Normally on, uh, on Sunday mornings uh, during this time in our service, I'm preaching through whole books of the Bible. Uh, but we're in a, a special time in the life of our church where uh, we've nominated elders and de- people for the office of elder and deacon. We'll be uh, moving towards uh, electing uh, men to those offices as they're being trained right now. Uh, and so what we've thought that it would be important to do is to make sure that all of us are in, uh, on the uh, understand rightly uh, what the scriptures teach us about uh, elders and deacons, um, uh, who, who they are, who should fulfill these offices, what their responsibilities are. Remember what we looked at last week as we saw that, that Jesus is the one true and only head and king of the church, and Jesus uh, uh, administers his authority over congregations through his offices, through elders and deacons. Uh, so this morning what we want to look, look at is uh, what are the roles of these, uh, these offices, of these elders and deacons according to, to Scripture? Uh, because if we are going to submit properly and recognize uh, Jesus' authority over the church, then it's important that we understand the roles of these officers that Jesus has given to govern and shepherd and guide, uh, guide his people. Um, and so that's what we're going uh, to look at this morning. Again, like I said, normally we're in, uh, in uh, one passage or going through a whole book. This morning, in order for us to get uh, an understanding of what the New Testament teaches about elders and deacons, we're going to be hopping around in various passages so that we get a good overall picture of what, uh, what Jesus is teaching his people about these offices. Um, so uh, you'll be flipping back, uh, back and forth. Uh, I'll try to uh, give you the page numbers uh, for those of you who are following along in the Bibles as, as we move forward. Uh, but let me pray for us, and then we can, we can jump in. Jesus, thank you for, uh, for saving us. We thank you that you care enough about your people uh, to uh, organize and structure your church so that uh, your sheep are cared for. We pray and ask this morning uh, that you would, uh, would help us to understand more about who uh, elders are and deacons are, what their role is, why you've placed them in the context of your, of your church, uh, that you might be glorified uh, and that we might walk with you. Holy Spirit, do that, do that we pray, uh, for the glory of our God, uh, in Christ's name, amen. So uh, as God has uh, as administered and cared for uh, his people, uh, there's, uh, there's always been officers uh, in, uh, associated with God's people. In the Old Testament, we, we see offices like uh, the office of prophet, the office of priest, the office of, of king. Uh, those offices, though, have, uh, have come to uh, an end because they've been fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the, the true uh, prophet, the true and last uh, priest. We no, no longer need any earthly priest. And uh, the, the one true king who's ruling and reigning over all things. They've come to fulfillment in him. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, the, the, the temporary office that, that rose up early on was the office of apostle. Jesus authorized spokesperson uh, that was established with the, the, the twelve. Uh, Judas was replaced by Matthias, and then uh, Paul was then appointed uh, later as well. 
who have a, a, a temporary and limited role in the life of God's, uh, God's people uh, to teach us soundly about who God is, authoritatively to give us the word of God to his people. But ongoing offices, perpetual offices in the context of Christ's church, because those roles of prophet, priest, king, and apostle have come to an end, are found in the office of elder and deacon. Why would I, why would I say that? How do we know that? Well, if you would, look over to 1 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 3. Uh, this is on page 992, if you're in one of the black Bibles. So Timothy was a, a, a young man who was appointed by elders uh, to go out and establish and plant churches. And here Paul is writing this letter to Timothy about how to establish these churches that he's planted and to put the government in place and the leadership in place over these churches. And in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, Paul is outlining who these leaders are in the context of the church and gives, is giving the, the qualifications for who can, who can fill these offices. We're going to look at that next week, at these qualifications. But notice here, he only mentions two offices. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And then he goes down and he, he outlines the, the qualifications for this office of overseer. That's important as we look through uh, the New Testament. Some terms like overseer, shepherd, elder, leader, those uh, terms are used interchangeably. It means the same office. We'll see that in some other contexts, but I'm going to just use uh, elder to be consistent with that's the terminology that we use. But notice here, Paul is outlining to Timothy this one office of elder. Then he goes on in verse 8. Deacons likewise. Transitioning and beginning to talk about another office and giving further and more qualifications. There's two offices there. Office of elder, office of deacon. Uh, in fact, uh, in some of the, the letters, particularly we can see this in Philippians chapter 1. You can turn there if you want or I'll, I'll read it to you. Listen to how Paul addresses this letter to the church in Philippi. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, with the elders and the deacons. As he's addressing and writing to this church, he specifically points out and addresses the leaders over these churches, the elders and the deacons. These two offices are what are communicated. Uh, and so uh, what we want to look at is, uh, what are the, okay, th these are words, uh, what do they mean? What is the role of these offices? What is it that these, these people do in the context of Christ's church? Why has he placed them here? So that's what we want to look at this morning. What is the role of elders? What are the roles of deacons in the context of the church? So first, let's look at that. Let's look at the role of the elder. Look over and again, flip back to the right, over to Titus. So Titus had a similar role as, uh, as Timothy, going and establishing and planting churches. Titus, in particular, was working in Crete, laboring for, uh, for the Lord there. Notice what the instructions to Titus are as it relates to elders in verse 5 of chapter 1. 
This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And in case you want to see, as it goes on in verse 7, we see the connection between that term elder and overseer. He goes, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. Again, I just want you to see I'm not making it up. This connection is the same terminology used. But notice what he tells Titus, that elders, plural, are to be established in each town as these churches are being planted. In fact, if we were to flip over to Acts 14, verse 23, you see that's the same thing Paul does in his ministry. As he's planting and establishing churches, as he moves around, he makes sure that elders are established and appointed in each local church. This is point one that's it's important to see, that elders shepherd, lead, have authority in the context of Christ's church as a group. There's not just one elder who has the authority. It's always a plurality, a group of elders who lead and exercise this authority. That's why uh, every time I, I introduce myself on Sunday morning, I say I'm one of the elders. Even though I'm the only one here locally right now, because as a mission church, we don't have other elders here locally. We have other elders from other churches in our presbytery that are helping to give oversight to our congregation. Why? The authority given to elders always operates and functions in a plurality, in a group of elders, of these men who are shepherding God's people. Uh, so, uh, in, in fact, that we saw last week when Jesus and uh, the way that he administers his, his authority and his kingship and his rule over the church, that he grants and gives authority to elders to carry this out. But notice, this is, I told you we would look and see other places where this is communicated. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here, Paul is writing to a church, church in Thessalonica. Notice what he instructs and says to the members of this church as he's writing to them. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, it's on page 988 in the Black Bibles. He says this, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Elders, these leaders who are laboring among the people, uh, notice what Paul says about them. They are over you, members of the church, in the Lord. The, the authority that they have, they have been placed, not just because you elected them, because Christ has placed them over this congregation. They have authority over you in the Lord, given to them by him, and, and administered and exercising that over a congregation because Christ has entrusted them with that. What's the, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of this authority? Why has God seen fit to place elders over the members of the church in the Lord. Look over in, uh, in Hebrews. Flip back to the, uh, to the right in your, in your Bible. In Hebrews chapter 13, uh, this is page 1010. Listen to what the author of the book of Hebrews says about these leaders uh, in the church. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, this language of souls here, don't confuse it for, uh, for the, the, with us being humans, we're, we're made both physical, we're physical and spiritual beings. This isn't just talking about the spiritual soul part of us. It's talking about the whole of us as, uh, as individuals and as humans. And notice and seeing that Christ has placed uh, these uh, leaders over his, uh, over his people to keep watch over them physically and spiritually. This is so important to Jesus. This responsibility is so great that what he says to these leaders and reminds the church, they will have to give account for how they watch over you. Why? Because Jesus cares for his sheep. He loves his people, and he has placed these leaders over his people to shepherd their lives so that they would thrive and grow. But even that terminology helps us understand this role of elder even more. That, that, that language of sheep or of shepherd describes, helps describe the, the, the role of, of the congregation and the role of the, of the elder. Look over in First uh, Peter. We looked at this, uh, keep turning to the right. We looked at this uh, a few months ago when we were going through First Peter together. Chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Listen to what Peter says. I want you to take note of what, how Peter describes himself in this, and then also what he says about the other elders. So, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. What is he exhorting these elders to do? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Again, we're seeing that, this connection of overseeing, oversight, shepherding, leading. Not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. These elders function as shepherds in the context of the church. What do shepherds do? They care for the sheep. They make sure that they are fed, that they are well cared for, that they are protected and guarded against uh, outside danger, that when they're nourished and, and provided for, that they thrive and they flourish. This isn't to be domination, because notice, the authority that they are exercising is reflective of the chief shepherd. The only authority they have comes from the chief shepherd, and what informs and should uh, direct them and how they exercise this authority should be looking to him. Who is that chief shepherd? It's Jesus. We talked about this last week. How does the chief shepherd lead his people? By sacrificing, by giving of himself, by purchasing this flock with his blood. 
these shepherds, these elders in the context of a church should shepherd, should care, should exercise oversight that is reflective of the tender care and sacrificial leadership and giving of Jesus as they tend to the flock, as they tend to the sheep. What does this look like? I mean, you feed sheep grass. I'm not a shepherd, like a, a real woolly sheep shepherd. I am a shepherd in the context of here. I know they need water. They go out into to fields. What, what do you need? How is it that these elders are to shepherd you? Flip back over to First Timothy. Remember, Timothy is establishing these churches. He is appointing and putting uh, elders in place. In the meantime, uh, Timothy is uh, exercising the role and the responsibility of these elders in these particular churches. Notice what Paul encourages and reminds him to do to feed these sheep, to care for them, to provide for them. Listen, in uh, 1 Timothy uh, 4, verse 11. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift uh, you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Uh, Elders have the, the, the role and the responsibility to command and teach God's people to follow after Jesus, to obey him as he's revealed himself in the word. uh, Also, the elders, as as they they lead, this isn't just verbal proclamation and verbal teaching, but notice their lives are to be examples lived out and reflected to the people of God. And what he tells Peter here, I mean, what he tells Timothy here, that you're to be an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. We're, we're going to see that, that this flows into why the qualifications are what they are next week when we look in this. But notice that one of the ways that elders shepherd and lead their people is by being an example of what it looks like to walk with and follow the chief shepherd. But notice as well, that the the elders have a responsibility for the public gathered worship of the people of God. Look in verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. That's talking about the corporate gathered worship of God's people. Elders have the oversight and responsibility of making sure God's people are fed, shepherded, and taught from God's word on a regular basis. They oversee the worship and public gathering of the people for his glory, for their edification, for your being built up. Uh, in fact, the, the teaching is so important, and this is a, one of the primary, uh, one of the roles of, the, uh, of elders, uh, that we see what he, tells, uh, uh, what he tells Timothy here as the, the letter goes on, and also as he writes to, to Titus, is the importance to guard against false teaching both in the church 
uh, that, that's coming from, uh, from up front or in any way that we teach in the, uh, in the church. Elders are to oversee and make sure uh, that, that what is taught to the sheep under our care is consistent with the Word of God. But also, we're to guard and protect God's people from false teaching outside of the church. We saw that in 1 Peter. Uh, but two, if we think about how this ties in back to uh, what Jesus told us about the keys of the kingdom last week, that it is the, the role and the responsibility and elders have the authority to keep those who teach falsely or who begin to profess falsely about the truth of Christ or live in a way that contradicts their profession to put them outside of the church. It's a weighty task. But it's the authority that Christ has given to these elders to shepherd his people because he cares for them. He doesn't want any one of you led astray. The elders, though, particularly have this responsibility of teaching, of spiritual oversight, and shepherding of care. Well, does that mean that the only people who are doing ministry in the context of the church are elders? No. Again, keeping your fingers busy, look over in Ephesians chapter 4. It's on page 978. Again, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. I'm going to pick up on page 977, verse 12, um, or verse 11 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. And he, speaking of Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip who? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The role of the elder, the shepherd, the teacher, in the context of Christ's church is discipleship. To equip the sheep to do the work of ministry to train and equip you in how to know and read and study God's Word, how to interpret it properly, how to live rightly before Jesus, how to share your faith so that the people around you come to faith in Christ as you're sharing the good news of the message of Jesus. But notice, it's the responsibility of the elders to disciple the people of God and equip you to do the work of ministry and to fulfill your calling as those who have been saved and brought from darkness into his marvelous light, so that you can proclaim his excellencies everywhere you go. The role and the task, so that as a church, collectively, we are growing in maturity, we are growing into the fullness to reflect Jesus in our local congregations and the church as a whole. This is the role of elder, of shepherd, who has authority. Remember, it's a plurality of elders, a group of elders over a local congregation, 
who have this task to oversee, to have authority in the lives of God's people, to shepherd, to care for them, to provide for them, to nourish them, to oversee the worship of, of God, and to disciple members to carry out their calling before the Lord. Next week, we're going to look at the qualifications. In three weeks, because somebody's going to preach for me one of those weeks, we're going to look at the member's responsibility to this oversight, this authority, this shepherding, this care. Right now, we're just focusing on the role, so that you're understanding what these roles are and what they're to do. So we've kind of gotten this, uh, this picture and this look at the role of, of elder. Now we want to look at the role of deacon. Um, when, when I was in, uh, in seminary in St. Louis, uh, I was uh, a member of Crossroads Presbyterian Fellowship, uh, which is just outside of St. Louis. And I was ordained as a deacon in the context of that church. And towards the end of seminary, I was, uh, had a class where they were helping us work through and, uh, and get our resume together. I thought, man, this is a very important thing for me to include on my resume that I was a deacon, uh, an ordained officer in Christ's church. So I put it down on my resume. I brought it before the, the this, they had brought a, a, a lady from outside who was uh, helping polish up these resumes as we were getting to, ready to send them out. And she looked at Deacon and she's like, mm, I don't know about that. Do you think you could change the, 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 the title or, 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 or put something else there? Because I mean, Deacons, they, they just lock the doors, right? <laughs> do they? I mean, I mean may, maybe they do in, in your church. Does, is that their task? Is that why? Paul would give such a lengthy qualification list of character and one who cares for his home and is respected by outsiders because, man, that job of putting the key in the front door and making sure it's unlocked and locked on time is of spiritual, eternal importance. Is that what the role of deacon is? Let's see. Remember, we saw these qualifications in 1 Timothy. If you, if you actually look through them, what you'll see is they overlap the qualifications both for elder and deacon a lot. One thing, though, that sticks out in the qualification of an elder that is absent from the qualification of a deacon is this, this qualification, is able to teach. Something that needs to be a, a part of the, the qualifications of an elder is able to teach. That begins to, again, fit into this understanding of what it is, the roles, and how they differ. Elders are teaching, or shepherding, or leading, or overseeing. But deacon, that word deacon, you know what it means? It comes from the root of servant. So, so, so we're beginning to see we have a, a, an office of, of oversight, of shepherding, of teaching, of spiritual care, and an office of service. How do we understand how those two fit together? Look over in Acts chapter 6. This is a passage where uh, throughout church history, uh, God's people have gone to understand and have more insight. There is not as much in the New Testament about deacons as there is elders. But we'll notice and we'll see here uh, the, uh, as we read uh, from chapter 6 verses 1 down to verse 7. 
This is on page 914 if you're following along in the Black Bible. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, that's just talking about followers of Jesus, not the disciples, the twelve, a complaint by the Hellenist or the Greek-speaking Jewish believers arose against the Hebrews, the, the, the Jewish or Aramaic believers, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So notice they are... The, the early stages of the, the establishment and the, the gospel that Jesus had come is moving forth. The apostles here are exercising uh, things that we see are going to be uh, part of the role of elder later. Ministry of the word, teaching, preaching, prayer. Not that deacons aren't praying, but we see that that's the emphasis that they're focused on here. Notice what it goes on and says about these, uh, these deacons. Or these, uh, the, the seven. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Notice uh, the, the, um, the importance that the, that the apostles see of these two things simultaneously happening in the context of the church. That the word of God is preached rightly. That it's taught. That God's people are fed well from the word of God. But also, too, notice the importance that ministry of mercy and caring for the physical and material needs of the people of God is just as important. How does that reflect Jesus' ministry, who came preaching and teaching and communicating and proclaiming with his mouth the good news of the kingdom, but then also we see Jesus intimately caring for the suffering and the material hardship and physical needs of the people around him. Here, when the, the, the apostles say it's not right for us to neglect the preaching of the word to serve tables, they're not saying this is below us. How could I do something like this? They're saying both of these things are so important. We can't do both of them well. It is important for us to focus on the one, the teaching, the preaching, the shepherding, the oversight of God's people, and we need to establish another group that will ensure and make sure that the gospel is demonstrated and shown in deed. And in fact, they use that term, serve tables, connected to that, that root word for deacon. Beginning to see how these things tie together, both the, the office of shepherding and of teaching and of oversight and the office of service and of care, and providing for the physical needs of God's people. And notice the result. You see the result when both of these are done well in the context of the church? In verse 7, 
the word of God continued to increase. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The gospel goes forth as it's being demonstrated and shown in the context of the local church, both in word through the ministry of the elders and both in deed through the ministry of those and what would later become uh, deacons. Uh, as we understand this office of deacon in the context of our church, it is also one that has authority. It's not just uh, elder light. It's not just guys who are uh, locking up doors. Notice their role and responsibility here. They're making sure that the people of God who are struggling, who are suffering, whose physical needs are being cared for, that that is, that is taking place. That we are doing the gospel indeed. Making sure that the, the, the gifts that are given to the church are stewarded and used well and properly. Part of the office of deacon. Notice as, as well that as we think about it more in the context of our church, what this would involve in deacons is deacons leading the people of God in generosity, in giving. Not just materially, although that's necessary, because how will we meet material and physical needs without the material means of, of, of securing those things? So the deacons are leading God's people in generosity and giving, but also in the utilization and using of your gifts to care for the people of God who are around you, to make sure that you are investing your body in the work of the church and being involved and invested in the lives of your brothers and sisters who are in Christ. So as deacons are established in our church, they will encourage and lead and guide you, members of the church, in growing in generosity, financially, physically, and acts of service. Some of it will involve property. Some of it will provide, be in letting you know of opportunities to serve and use your, your gifts here in our church. But also thinking, too, what happens when others who see, man, you know what? People who are a part of this church, they are loved so well. There's, there's nobody who's in need in the context of this congregation. What, what is going on there? What is it about the God that they follow and this Jesus that they serve that we see love demonstrated among them in those ways? What does it look like for you as a congregation to follow the leadership and the discipleship of these deacons in equipping you to engage and care for these physical needs around you? And again, where do we learn how, what does this role of deacon reflect? Just as Peter would tell us the chief overseer and shepherd is Christ, two, who is the chief deacon? Is it not Jesus? The one who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The one who would strip himself down and wash his disciples' feet. Who is this God that exercises his authority in becoming a servant? As 
we look next week at the qualifications of who is it that would be the ones that we would put in the, in the, the position to carry out these offices. Recognize that what informs all of this is Jesus, our shepherd, our overseer, our elder, our teacher, who gave his life to redeem and purchase and save sheep for himself. The great deacon who would become a servant to give himself to redeem and save you. It is this elder, it is this deacon who has placed elders and deacons under him, but over you to shepherd you, to care for you, to provide for you, that you might grow and be nourished and grow into the fullness of Christ who has redeemed and saved you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for uh, your great work of redemption. We thank you for being the true and perfect elder and shepherd. We thank you that you are the true and perfect deacon and servant of the sheep. Uh, we pray and ask that you would help us as a congregation to grow in our understanding of these roles and that you would provide men here to lead us in those ways for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.